It's season two of that Casey Richardson show. And man, I'm just so happy to be here. I've been in Africa since February of 2021. And I knew that I was going to learn as an entrepreneur. But what I did not anticipate was growing so much as a human becoming more and more in love with who I am and where I come from and the people that are around me, uh, whether they have accolades, the laundry list long, or have been raised and cultivated and nurtured by villages and communities. So now I'm diving into deeper conversations with Black women, women that I love, women that I know, women that I admire. And we're going to continue to amplify these voices, baby. Let's go. Season two, we're up. Yay! I'm so, so, so excited, y'all. I have uh, my entrepreneur girl crush on season two, episode one today, and I, I, I can't wait for her to drop gems. She is a fellow South Carolinian, uh, Natasha Weston. Welcome to the building. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Casey. I'm so excited. Likewise, likewise. So I just have to tell the people that you are definitely on the For the Record segment because you just drop bars in regular life. Like I feel like every other sentence that you say, whether you're typing it in your copy on marketing or you're on IG Lives or you're doing your own things or I've read a couple of your books too, right? You just drop proverbs and gems and just straight shoot and type uh, facts that we need. So I'm going to jump right to it and let you, let you feed the people. And speaking of, you know, you dropping gems, I'll never forget uh, the first time I really heard you speak and give uh, knowledge to, to an audience, and that was on our friend uh, Kristen Feaster's IG Live, and you were talking about the fact that we have to understand and accept that not everyone, like most people, won't be in our cheering squads when we're starting entrepreneurship. And you put the onus on us to focus <laughs> on the things that matter and focus on our businesses and understand that later they'll show up, right? Like later they'll be cheering. Um, you were speaking to me in that moment as Asha, like I was personally going through some things and feeling very, very bitter around lack of immediate support. But can you unpack that further for us? Uh, you've been in entrepreneurship for more than 10 years now. Uh, what are some of the things that are important for Black women to understand about support systems and, and disappointment? So um, thank you for watching Kristen and I segment. That was like to date one of the best conversations I've had because she asked some really real questions that I think we kind of tiptoe around, especially as Black women. I think that everybody's support system and the definition of it is totally different. And I'm a firm believer that only time and experience will really show you who's who's for you. And that was something that I had, it took me years uh, to learn. Like I'm talking seven, eight years in this thing to really finally grasp the fact that while we spend so much time trying to focus on getting support from friends and family, that desire for the support from them, it only comes from them being familiar to us. So we naturally, as humans, we want support from the people we're the most comfortable around. But the reality is when you step into entrepreneurship and saying that you want to build a brand and make all this money and be impactful, you got to look beyond the people that you're comfortable with. And that's like, I think, and I said this in the live, it's like 1% of like, I mean, think of all the people in the world 
that your business or your brand or your organization could serve and like you're focused on the one percent and putting all your energy into getting it from them like is it really that important to you and it really it should be no and so I know that we all want you know pats on the back from friends and family but the reality is like most people only understand as far as they've gone and I, I don't know about you, but like uh, my aunts and my uncles and like even my, my, my dad, like they've never gone to college, most of them. They've never stepped outside of the state. Um, and that's because the people that came before them, that was the example. So they never went that far. So you can't really expect people to understand the vision that God gave you or the dreams that you have, because most of the time, everything is context. They don't understand it because they've never experienced it. You can't take it personal. And I think as Black women, we take a lot of things personally. And in some areas, rightfully so. But when it comes down to support, we got to look past the 1%. Because if you're called to speak to millions, 1% should not ruffle your feathers. Period. Okay. So that's how I feel about support. And like I said, you know, I don't want anybody listening to think that I woke up and understood that it took me years to get to that point. It took me lots of frustration and just feeling like, well, if they don't support me, the world isn't. You know, there's also a saying that goes around that I cringe, Casey, every time I hear people say, if you can't make it in your hometown, you can't make it anywhere. Well, hello, guys. I'm a living, walking testimony that I had to leave my state to get influence and start my brand and then now I live back in my home state and it doesn't matter where I live I barely go to events here and it doesn't stop anything that I'm doing so I think we just need to like get rid of that myth of if your family and friends aren't supporting and that's a sign that what you're doing isn't valid or it's not good enough that is the biggest lie and like and I think I'm clinging so heavy to what you're saying because the stuff, everything you're saying is a result of experience, like you're saying, right? Like textbook can't teach you this right here, right? Like, like uh, a eight-week course can't teach you this right here. Like you've lived it, you've experienced it, you've moved away, you've come back. I, I definitely want to amplify your voice and help, you know, as much as I can, right? Even be honest, amplify your voice because... Like you said, aunties and uncles and grandparents, and even though they went to college, right? They don't teach entrepreneurship as a major in the South, right? Like in the Midwest, you know, you gotta go all the way to Stanford or something to even learn that perspective. <laughs> so you are, yeah, you're dropping so many important gems. Uh, thank you for reminding me of things um, that you said back then that I need to hear now. And, and uh, it reminds me to give grace, right? To extend grace to these people because they're not my enemy because they don't. Support, like that, that part, that part, that's your enemy, and, and like that goes back. We take everything so personal, and if you want to be on TV and do like just massive things, like if you want to do next level things, you gotta get over the offense that you think that you think is there, because like you said, like they're not your enemy; they just can't understand beyond what they've experienced. That's the bottom line, and when you understand truly understand that you'll be out here moving and shaking and making things happen regardless to who shows up like you literally like y'all to be honest there are things that I have launched and done and got crickets like nobody signed up but guess what I still showed up I still 
I still made a big deal. I always tell people, make a big deal over everything you do. I don't care if nobody signs up. I don't care if nobody buys. Make make it a big deal. Like, And I think that's what one of the things that has allowed me to grow, really, the way that I've grown, is that I make a big deal over everything I do, even if it's the first time I've done it. Even right. if I don't know what I'm doing while I'm doing it, even yeah. if I got tech problems, any of that, I make a big deal over everything I do. And what ends up happening is the result of that is like when you get excited about your vision, when you get excited about your business, people don't got no choice but to fall in line. Right. Whether <laughs> or five years later, like period. So right. you got to be excited and make a big deal about your stuff. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, I'm just falling in love with you even more. I mean that deeply. Like, I mean that deeply. Um, you are so fire, Natasha. And yeah, I just want to be connected to you and be support for you too. Like, to give you a shoulder and be like, sis, you're not by yourself. Because um, I know there's so many people that follow and learn from you. So to that point about learning from you, you are a bestseller, a bestselling author of three books. Uh, those being 10 Effective Ways to Start Your Business with Zero Dollars, Dare to Live Your Dreams and Brand You Like a Box, which is the first book of yours that I read. Uh, what are the high-level takeaways from each of those books? Um, and where can listeners purchase those books? So my very first book was uh, 10 Effective Ways to Start Your Business with Zero Dollars. That book is like, Casey, I want to say like 62 pages. It's like, so like you could read it at the stoplight. That's how short it is. Um, and I actually wrote that book after living in New York City for a year and a half. And I came back to South Carolina, went back into corporate America. And, um, you know, I had started my first business in New York on my aunt's couch. I originally went there to pursue a career in fashion styling, um, interned with BET, worked with K. Michelle Stylist. You know, I had a really good experience there. And what I noticed while I was there and starting to network and meet people was that my friends in the industry always came to me saying, hey, I want to get my clothes on this celebrity or this person or that. Mm-hmm. And so I started in public relations. I started just helping my friends like pitch the magazines and things like that. So that's where my first, like I think, seed of entrepreneurship started. So when I moved back down South, you know, I kept doing little things. I did, you know, graphic design and just like little things within my company. I was all over the place, which most people are when they start. Right. Um, and I was working as a temp at a bank in Greenville. And I just remember, like, I was the youngest in my department, but the older women were so inspired by, like, just everything that I had done. And they admired how I continued to do my side hustle thing, but also came to work every day. And so I'd always get questions like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And so I started a blog, which is now my podcast, same name, Table Talk with Tati, where I just gave tips. And one of my first blog posts was called 10 Ways to Start Your Business with Zero Dollars because people always ask me. And I was like, well, let me just put this on the internet so I don't have to keep answering the same question over and over again. So um, that's how this book came about. And so I think the high level takeaway from this book in particular is that I know when a lot of people start off um, in business, they don't, they have an idea of what they want to sell or what they want to offer, but they aren't really sure. And so coming from someone that has been in that place, because the business I started with is not what I have now. And that's usually what happens. I will say the high level takeaway is that when you're first stepping into entrepreneurship, the best way to know what is the first thing you should start with is to pay attention to the things that people compliment you about or ask you about the most 
And nine times out of 10, you can create a solution for them right there. And I struggled with that in the beginning. I didn't understand that until I wrote this book. It was like, if people keep asking you the same questions, I don't care if they're asking you how to take pictures, how to write a business plan. If they're asking you how to do a resume because they see you do it so well, that's nine times out of 10, a great place to start. So I would say that's the high level takeaway from that book. And then of course, in there, I share like tools and things that you can use to get um, started. Dare to live your dreams. I wrote in, I want to say the end of 2016. And that book is based off of my experience traveling to Chicago to film for Empire. I'm sure most of you have seen the show. Um, I was an extra, so I was not like, you know, main character or anything. But the funny thing of even talking about this now, Casey, is because that experience years ago positioned me for the exact direction my company is taking in 2022. Mm. Most people thought when I raised that money to get to Chicago, because I was flat out broke, y'all, like broke, broke. And I did a GoFundMe to raise the money to get to Chicago because, you know, if you know anything about entertainment extras, don't you don't get paid to go there. You just get paid to be there. Um, and so I needed money to get there and, you know, get hotel and all of that. So I did a GoFundMe and like within 24 hours, I raised thousands of dollars oh. from people. I made it a big deal. I did like graphics for everybody that donated and like it was oh. just like this whole thing. Um, but people thought I did all of that because my goal was to be an actress. Mm. And they did not know that that was me doing research for where I'm taking my company next year. Okay. That was in 2016, y'all. Yeah. I knew that I had to physically be on the set of a professional TV show okay. in order to understand the role that I would be playing for this next chapter. Oh. I wasn't going, I didn't care about the acting part. That was what I needed to do to get the hands-on experience. Cause like you said, everything is not, you're not gonna learn everything in a textbook. Right. And so that book, I'll say the high level takeaway is that sometimes you gotta physically position yourself. Mm. Get offline, get offline, go shake hands, go meet people, yes. go and sit yourself in rooms that is going to position you for the big vision. Because you're not gonna get to the big vision without that. So that's the high level takeaway from that book. And then Brand You Like a Boss, which was the last book that I wrote, is all about personal branding. And the high level takeaway from that, I'll say, is that you don't have to be an athlete, a singer, a politician to build like massive wealth and influence. Like you could literally be quirky and awkward and <laughs> all of that and build massive wealth and influence. Like look at Issa Rae. Like she is a living example of how like, you don't have to be what we've grown up to see as influence and impact in order to make um, a change. And so that's why I'm such a huge advocate for personal branding is because I think people are sometimes building their business the opposite way. They're like leading with the business and mm -hmm. people don't know any of the story behind how the business got started. And that's like a huge disconnect. Like I see it all the time. People have great products, but I don't even know like why they created it or what happened to them. Yeah. to position them to create it and then I go to the person that's like not oversharing but the person that shows some type of connect personal connection to the brand that they're building um so that would be the high level takeaway from that book and you can get all three books on Amazon um and then bring you like a boss you can get at natashawesson.com all the time dope 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 um I love Natasha I love that you 
uh, leave these crumbs that you go. Like so many times, especially us as Black people, I'll say, right? Like because we've had to be 120% qualified to get the corporate job, right? <laughs> Or two hundred percent, you know, better to be to be promoted, right? Um, I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, like we want to have all these degrees and accolades and certifications and experiences listed before we jump out there with a product or offering or a service. But you literally wrote the books as you went, and you went an inch wide and a mile deep and said, "This experience taught me that, right? And now this experience taught me yeah. that." Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Fire. and that's important. That's important. And that's how I write my books. People are like, when are you going to write another book? And I'm like, when I get through this chapter. Yeah. I am a firm believer that there are seasons that you are supposed to be in your journal and there are seasons you're supposed to write the book. And a lot of people are jumping to want to be an author and it's not time. Like, because we could all research and write a book just yeah. based off of what we Googled or something. But like, nothing trumps real life experience, like stories. Like, I literally went through this. And this is what I created as a result. And this is why I can teach you how to do that. And I think that's like a, like I, something I see so much is like people just want to rush to do things. And it's like, you got to actually live. And so I do write my books just based off of the previous seasons that I've experienced. Um, so, yeah. I think it's dope. And, um, and this is something I talk to people in general about, even when I, when I mentor people, you're going to grow as an entrepreneur, right? And chances are you're going to uh, be able to help clients that are more sophisticated in the client, right? But if you leave breadcrumbs along the way, like you're doing with these books, you still can serve people at, at these other points, even if your, your pricing becomes, you know, out of their budget or whatever. Um, I think it's just very, very smart. And in the world of content, it's just so easy to do today. People should just strategically leave those breadcrumbs. Right, absolutely. Now, talking about entrepreneur, entrepreneurship as a whole, um, as you reflect on your experience, right, in it, uh, what are some of the gaps that you've noticed in structural systems that should be here to support and serve us as Black female entrepreneurs? And what has been missing in terms of strong solutions that should have been making your life easier? And, I, and I'll say this, I'll start by saying that in, my, in Casey's opinion, um, we hear a lot about how easy it is to do things now because of the internet and how easy it is to do things now because of these drag and drop solutions, but there is no ease in it for black women, right? Like it's easy for people who grew up around it, right? Or people who grew up with money or people who have close proximity, like you're talking about the power, right? But in your experience, right? Like what were the gaps that existed in these systems um, for you as you were coming along? Um. I'll say one of the biggest gaps that I think I felt the most um, or had the most direct impact to me as a black female entrepreneur, I'm a mother. Yeah. Um, so I can speak from that perspective because I think that's the thing that has had the most like literal impact on me as an entrepreneur. You know, I've come into contact with a lot of um, black women who have Casey genius ideas, like brilliant ideas, great worth ethic, very determined, but they're limited on how they execute and how much they can execute um, because of the barriers we sometimes experience with childcare and like having access to a village to help us raise our children to be like smart and you know, people that are gonna be good people when they grow up and even like as children. And so, you know, I've got a seven year old and I will say that you know, I realize not every black woman has a mom that's as supportive as mine is or a sister that 
picks up the slack sometimes. And I'm a single mom. So that takes things to a whole nother level. And so I think for as far as gaps, that is one area that I would like to see close. I would like to see more opportunities for childcare because what if you got an uh, opportunity to go and do something really big in another state, mm. but you're a single mom and you're trying to work and do your side hustle and find somebody to take care of your kid, somebody that you can trust. Yeah to take care of your kid while you go. But then a lot of black women now have to give up those opportunities right. because they don't have the childcare. They don't have the support, the village that's gonna say, all right, you go do that. I'll make sure your child is taken care of while you're yeah. gone. So when I think about gaps for black women, I have to come from this perspective of a mother because that's the thing that has impacted me the most is that like a lot of black women are giving up opportunities and having to like pass by um, you know, chances to execute the businesses that they dream about because they don't have something as simple as adequate, safe childcare in a village to step in and say, I think like how you have daycare, you could drop your kids off to go to work. There should be a program where if you get an, an opportunity, you should be able to drop your child off or have your child in a community where they're still being um, fed, not just... Uh, Physically, but mentally, like they're also growing as you're out building your dreams and, you know, doing the thing. So I will say that's a gap that I would love to see close. And I know as I continue my journey, that is an area that I hope to make a difference in as well. Yeah, that gives me chills and it makes me emotional, honestly, because it is something that is not talked about or articulated, but you're so right. Like, because women, Black women, we're typically the ones rearing the child. Not always, right? But uh, we typically are. So when a dude, right, has these opportunities that pop up out of nowhere, <laughs> right? But things move very, very quickly. Like, they, like you're talking about, they have the ease and the luxury of keeping up and keeping space. That's powerful, Natasha. Man, okay, so it's out here, y'all. So be thinking about that, right? Like, my wheels are turning. And that's not even, that's definitely not my area of expertise. But, like, you brought up something that I've been secretly, not knowing it's a secret, Natasha, but like uh, secretly struggling with, right? Because I am in love now and I am looking forward to growing a family and doing all of these things. But inwardly, I'm like, I love to be a nomad. I love to travel the world. Like I would love to stay in Africa and do this. But then I'm like, but I got to be a mother. And like, what does that look like? How does that work, right? I, I've already been planning and thinking about sacrifices or things like I'm going to have to put down, right? Um, and it shouldn't have to be a sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? It shouldn't yeah. have to be a sacrifice. It, it, yeah. It's really unfortunate. So like, you're right. It shouldn't have, you thinking about it being a sacrifice, but it shouldn't have to be that way. You yeah. know, we should be able to pick up and go when we need to and thrive the way we need to, just like men can do. Yeah. Um, we just right now don't have that, you know, that um, opportunity. That's deep. That's, I told y'all bars, like, sis just got to... <laughs> Um, okay, beautiful. So speaking of these long lists of accolades, like me, God, I'm heavy, Natasha. So uh, you've been recognized by the White House um, for your work in gender equality, super, super dope, at the United States of Women Summit in Washington, D.C. You've great stages for corporations such as TD Bank and Google. Uh, you've been featured in an array of publications and brands such as Sheen Magazine, uh, live civil uh, or live civil um, in, in market America. So as you look forward, Natasha, 
what is it that you want more than anything? Uh, what prize, if any, uh, is still out there uh, that you plan to claim? So, well, first of all, the, the prize that's at the top of the list I would love to hit New York best sellers list one day. I don't have any other thing that I want to win, <laughs> but that before I leave this earth, I would love, like that would be the ultimate accomplishment beyond anything else. I don't know why. And I guess it's just, you know, being a writer and author, like that's like, I'm sure most authors have that, you know, goal, but that's, if I could win anything, it would be that. What do I want more than anything, I think, is to continue on the path to ownership. Mm. I don't know about you, but growing up, especially in South Carolina, I don't know if this is a Southern thing, but like we were only taught to aim to own houses and land and like material things and like go to college, get a degree. Those were the things that we were taught to aspire to obtain. But I want to keep stamping my name on the things that I create so that Tyler and any other children that I have and his children and their children have something to build on and something that will help them to live out their dreams without having to cross some of the boundaries that we have to cross today. Um, You know, I tell people all the time that Tyler doesn't have to go to college if he doesn't want. He doesn't have to go in the military. He will have a third option that I did not have. and and I and they're like well huh you mean you're not gonna make him go to college no because I I don't you know I commend people that go but I don't think that I should have to force them to do it I think if I build what I'm building and keep owning the things that I'm creating now I'll have something to give him where he'll have the freedom to say okay well mom I want to create this and I don't, he doesn't have to jump through all these hoops and things to get to it because I will have already set the table for him. So I think more than anything, I want ownership. I want to continue to own what I am doing because it's to me working smarter and not harder. And like, I think I posted this on Instagram yesterday, like years ago when I named my company after my childhood nickname, like I thought it was silly. So I know people thought it was silly. And ever since then, I've stamped my name on every arm of my brand, the podcast, the talk show, um, the we're creating now, the network, like everything has my my name on it. And that's because I am very serious about ownership. I want to own the things so that nobody can take it away from me and so that I'll have something to pass down. So that's what I want more than anything is ownership. Yeah. And you're going to do it. You're doing it. Um, I think that still today it's crazy that it's still like this in in 2021 but like what you are saying is revolutionary uh that your child or in your children do not have to go to college if they don't want to right but if we think about families that have wealth right like they can graduate high school and run the family business right or not work in their own reality shows and we're seeing how they live and find right um when i was in the bay area like um, yeah, I heard about how Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of college and he still built Facebook and like so many others, but I was legit seeing how like white boys, right, could walk around and, and quit companies, quit colleges and just build yep. something, right? So yeah, like what you're saying is revolutionary. Like if I be honest about myself, like I have been toying a lot uh, with the idea of going to get my MBA, not because... I was not smart enough already because I was. I could I could influence, I could drive change, I could speak to the highest people at the ladder in the world, right? 
but I knew that I needed access to get in rooms. And that bad was gonna be what would get me there. Like people who already knew Casey, they would, you know, rock with me. But like, how do I get people in Africa and London? And you know, it was like, okay, like this, this is what talks. I gotta pay two hundred k for it. But over time, I, I like I'm just like bump it. Like I'm gonna bet on me, right? Um, and I don't need that thing to be big. So I think, I think what you're doing is revolutionary. I agree with you 100. percent And um, you're gonna help a lot of people. Even this bar you just dropped, right? Like I'm sure it's gonna free a lot of people. So thank you for that that candor. And I hate to wrap this up because you are so fire. <laughs> um, so 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 fire. I thank you so much. Um, but if you if you could uh please leave us with the bar so tradition uh for the record is you know leaving the line and and and, and challenging some societal myth <laughs> that is important for us to say very flat out um what our truths are right so say a say a for the record statement that sets things straight for anyone that has a certain belief misconstrued so to to back to go back to what we were just talking about as far as college is one thing I noticed, especially with millennials, is that we go to college, we learn these things, and unfortunately, the things we learn, we don't apply. So I like to tell people that knowledge is good, but applied knowledge is gold. Mm. And that is what has gotten me so far is that I don't just read books. I read a book. I implement it where I need to implement it. I don't just listen to a podcast. I take what it is and I apply it where it needs to go. Um, I take a course. I don't just buy courses in bulk, which is what some people do oddly. I assess where I am and what my goal is in that season. And I buy the course that aligns so that I can execute in real time. So that is something I always tell people is like, you can read a million books. You could like even watching TV, Casey, like people think I'm weird. But I'm, y'all, I'm not just watching TV for entertainment. I watch TV for research. Mm. I watch certain shows. I follow certain producers. I follow certain actors to oh. like, I don't just watch TV for entertainment. I'm always watching TV for uh, research. Oh. It's, it's never, even going back to when I was an extra on, I, I did Being Mary Jane too. I can't oh. watch TV now without, yeah. I can't, I did be Mary Jane twice actually in Atlanta, but I can't watch TV now, Casey, without assessing how many times did they do that scene? Mm. How many mm. times did that extra eat, fake eat that food or walk beyond, beyond, beyond that person? Like yeah. I'm always dissecting. And so I'm always applying the things that I learned. Right. Um, and so that's something that I'll, I'll leave you guys with that I think people have misconstrued. It's not about how much knowledge you get. It's not about how many degrees you have. It's like, what are you doing with it? Are you actually putting it to action? Because action is what actually moves the needle and brings forth change and change, not just for you, but for the people that are connected to you and the people that are supporting you ultimately is like, what good are we if we're learning stuff, not applying it? Like nobody cares if you've read 10 books. Right. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares if you have 10 degrees if it's just collecting dust. What are you doing with the knowledge that you're getting? Um, so you know, it's time to like step it up, like apply what you're learning. And um, 
I will say that speaking of bars, that actually is an exclusive because I'm releasing my very first coffee table book very soon, and it's called Bars. <laughs> what? So I was telling you this is crazy because this is a project I've been working on all year, Casey. And it's because, like you said, like people are always asking me, like, how do you come up with these things? Y'all, most of the stuff, the bars I drop come straight from God, like at night in the shower. I've always kept um, my tweets. I keep an archive of my tweets. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give people some captions to post and quotes and things. And so everything is 100% from me, uh, from God download it from God and I put it in a coffee table book so y'all will be able to get that soon so when you say drop a bar I'm like, Lord <laughs> so yeah the coffee table book is called bars and y'all will be able to get y'all pants uh, and we exist <laughs> I'm telling you like you are such a you're bigger than a light sis like you have such a force and a command and clarity um and you don't waste words you don't even try it's effortless right so I'm excited about this. Um, I'm so excited to tell everybody that I know about it. Thank you so, so, so much, Natasha, for uh, gracing this first episode. Like, you are the epitome. You are honestly the epitome of, of courage and grace and finesse and Black girl magic. Uh, keep doing your thing. We're all watching, and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for amplifying voices, not just mine, but um, keep doing it. Like this right here is pure alignment. Um, you know, I haven't done an interview on anyone else's show in a long time. And so when it, it's just, it's so perfect timing. So I appreciate you and all that you're doing. And if there's anything I can do to support, you know, I've got you um, keep doing it. This is amazing. Thank you, Mama Sita. Money line. I'm gonna run it every time. Give me mine. Let's talk about them bands. Recently, Bank of America launched the first of its kind capital directory that gives female entrepreneurs front row access to funds around the country. I'm talking about venture capital funds. I'm talking about grants programs. I'm talking banks, I'm talking MFIs, uh, which are microfinance institutions, uh, and more. It gives you a database of hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of U.S.-based firms that are looking to give financing to female entrepreneurs. I'm telling you this because it has been extremely hard for us to find grant data, right, and grant programs and business pitch competitions, etc., uh, to raise money for new firms. And if you haven't been around for more than five years, Banks typically said, no, we're not interested, right? It's too risky. So please go and look at, look at Bank of America's Access to Capital Directory, which uh, has just been launched for you. I probably in the first three days of finding that tool and applying for a few grants have already uh, been named a finalist in a, in a grant competition. So really good stuff on there. It actually has direct email addresses, websites, um, links to kind of niche limited time offerings, etc. So wealth of information, go get yours. Uh, it's waiting for you. Keep the same energy. Work on being better when I'm 70. Bomb Energy stands for betting on me energy. And I am excited to announce that I am collaborating with more than 26 
women from around the globe to bring you the Blaze Virtual Summit. It's going down December the 1st through the 5th. Well, you will have front row access <laughs> to uh, about 45 sessions of workshops, TED Talks, guided meditation, DJ sets by uh, female DJs from the West and the East Coast, networking sessions in the Blaze Networking Lounge. You'll have access to the Buy Black Virtual Market, where you will see a sea of Black business owners that are ready, willing, and excited to connect with you and offer your products and services uh, right in time for the holiday season. So please go to www.blazevirtualsummit.com if you're interested in hosting a booth. I'd love to have you. Over 40 vendors will be there. You can also go ahead and get uh, early access to tickets. Tickets are 100% free, uh, but definitely go ahead and get that ticket access early. You're going to have access to a private community of people that are connecting uh, with you from around the world. I can't wait to see you there. And again, there are 26 other women who are excited to deliver bomb energy to the world. I'll see you there.